friends! Welcome to episode 221 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can, whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I'm Sarah. I'm Rob. How are we doing, Rob? I am sore. Sore? I did stupid things. Yeah. Got stupid prizes. <laughs> Played stupid game, won stupid prizes. So, uh, you know, because I got five minutes. Um, So... My kit kittens are are wonderful and everything, and we built them this lovely like runway that goes above our our back door and up to the cabinetry over our kitchen, so that they can watch us cook meals. Yeah. Um. Except one of my kittens loves chewing things mm-hmm. a lot. Um, and she's very good at peeling the laminate off the top edge of the cabinet trim. Um. So I had to like put up the please don't chew on this tape which she peeled right off like it was nothing so then by, I s- by chewing on it right and then i put on the like don't lick this spray apple sour stuff and i think she thinks that's like i don't know red hot or something she's like oh that's spicy i mean just, if, right. if you want me to lick something <laughs> right. you put sour apple flavor right on it. like that's you know yeah so i i think she's 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 rubbed off on eating some of our spicier stuff and doesn't really care anymore um so we went and uh we had replaced our our steps with this like padded stick down stuff Mm -hmm. and i was like oh i'll use i'll just cut some of that up because we had extra and i'll just trim the edge that you know it's fuzzy and they won't chew it sure sure and the first application did not work because that stuff doesn't stick to like weird fiber stuff Mm -hmm. so i had to like long story short i was literally with my head at my ceiling level because there's only about six to eight inches there of clearance just enough for them to hop up there and sit down but they love it but there's not enough room for my head and full body on top of my counter to be comfortable staring at that oh yeah so my head was i'm not doing it right now because it hurt it hurts now but like head cocked to the side body slightly hunched over hands up over my like shoulder blades trying to work everything for like an hour in the heat of that ceiling space yep and it was like yep this this isn't going to hurt me much now yep. i'm suffering because i'm not 20 anymore i'm not 20 anymore sarah <sighs> i'm not 20 anymore all i can all i can say i i can i can only quote angela rosco from silent hill 2 when i say for me it's always like this okay that's fair that's fair that's fair like today you're fine but like i've got all of it <laughs> eh, i'm i'm faking it till i make it today uh i i've had to take some breaks my my neck my neck is just a chronic source of pain for me um too many mini pain but painted. uh well just bad posture all through my life and stuff like that and my so my neck is kind of screwed up and it's That's catching fair. it's really catching up with me now you know post 40 um but uh yeah i've i've had to like take several breaks from painting those minis for you guys for for gen con Woo-woo. uh just because it's been like okay starting to feel the migraine coming on from the neck ache yeah Let's no uh, let's go put some ice on that and maybe take care of the rest of that one tomorrow. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but uh, they're those are going good. I got I got four mechs for you mm-hmm. and uh, Overwatch others. and Vedran and Subject. Subject. Yep. Or not Subject. Um, not Subject. Sebek. Sebek. Uh, we're gonna be uh, going to Gen Con with you. Yep. 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 Playing a playing a big. Big Battletech game, and uh, so I 3D printed them. I put I put magnets in the middle of yep. them, so you guys can torso twist your, right. your battle mechs. That's right. We don't have to do the rotation on the table. We can yeah. actually just turn our mech and face where we need to face. Yeah. I'm very much looking forward to that. Oh, man. Like, when I played Battletech back in my high school days, like, I always wanted that. Yeah. 
So yeah, I, I mean, and like, I'm trying to remember if there were any that actually had that you could get minis that did that. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember any. I don't think so. I mean, like they... even the even the Wiz Kids like pre-built, pre-painted ones that came that were the clicks. oh the MechWarrior Dark Age ones. Yeah, yeah, even those were like simple. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nox. Nox Nox says you just made me sit up straighter. I don't like doing anything straighter. That's <laughs> like, buddy, me neither, man. That's fair. That's fair. Me neither. So, so today's topic was interesting because uh, y- you weren't certain we were on the same page. Well, I had a, I thought I had a pretty good idea of what we were talking about today, right. and then you went on the uh, uh, Discord, the Discord, and was like, "Hey guys, ask us questions about this topic," and I was like. That's not the topic I was brainstorming ideas for. Maybe I should have a conversation with Rob about that. <laughs> no, I, I, I think regardless of how we both looked at it, it is effectively the same thing. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. approaches of it, um, which is funny because really it's all about perspective. That's really what this. As much as we say this is about small scope, big impact, mm-hmm. it's about perspective. It's 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 very much about perspective um, and drama itself is about perspective of who's seeing that. I, I love seeing these movies where like you have the big damn heroes doing the big damn thing. Right. And the Mm -hmm. stakes are super high and the explosions are gigantic, but we laugh when we see, uh, like a, a zero to hero character, you know, or, or someone who's like the grizzled veteran, Mm -hmm. right. Who comes out, because someone picked on his town or his daughter or whatever. Yeah, sure. And, you know, and you laugh because there's these giant explosions and the bad guys had no idea what was coming for them, mm-hmm. you know, kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Again, it's about perspective, you know. Yeah. So. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, uh, we, we, we all kind of come from – we all kind of want that, I think. You know, it's it's we, we talk a lot about the power fantasy <laughs> uh, in our in our gaming and whatnot. Um, so, you know, having the high stakes, the big explosions, you know, the consequence for, for failure has to be death. Yeah. At yeah. least. Yes. yes. You know, um, every villain wants to destroy the world. Or your world. Unmake reality. It's where you keep all your stuff, they, though. They never want anything small, you no. know? It's rare but, that they want anything small. You know, we're, we're, so, we're so used to playing these big, epic, heroic stories, in, in especially like Dungeons & Dragons is very good for this sort of yeah. stuff. You know, you reach level 11, you just pick a god and you kill it. You right, know? yeah. You um, point them out, you beat one god with another god. Right, yeah. you, gotta, you gotta let the other gods know who's boss, That's right? right? That's right. Um, but, uh, and, you know, and nobody's saying those stories aren't dramatic. No, um, no, no, no. But uh, the kind of the, the the thesis statement for today's show is essentially that those big epic stories uh, and those high stakes and those broad strokes are not the only ways to be dramatic, right? Um, and that there's a lot of drama in just the little things mm-hmm. and the little people, mm-hmm. um, and they can have a big impact on your story. Just mm-hmm. those smaller, quieter moments from an NPC farmer that you met along the road, you know, yep. if you know how to play them. Yep. So, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, one of the big things that that, that comes to mind uh, too with uh, a lot of these, like you know, what why you should focus on the smaller stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, is the concept of, di- of suspension of disbelief. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so suspension of disbelief is not something we talk about terribly often, I don't think. No, but, like, at the same time, you have to, like, 
Okay, so I- I'm going to say this. VR helps with suspension of disbelief because you're physically attached to it. Sure. But you're doing the thing. Like, mm-hmm. Super Hot is a game where, like, time only moves when you move. It's perfect for VR, but at the same time, like, that's not realistic. But it is a neat gameplay mechanic, and literally two, um, you know, two, uh, I'll say, missions in, mm-hmm. like, you're there. You know how to do it, and now you're attached to it. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know, so it's very quick for you to accept that disbelief and move into it without any th- second thought about it. Sure. Right? You know, but tabletop games, you don't have the benefit of an immersive, like, VR headset and an interactive world around you. you right. Know? You're... you're Everything has to be tuned to you through eyes, ears, sometimes scent. Exactly. Exactly. And even when we do have things like miniatures on the table and really good you know, terrain laid out, which can really help bridge Without the gap with all those visuals, there's still little plastic army men in a 28 millimeter scale. Right. And, I mean, stack on top of that um, personal distractions, stack on top of that... Um, uh, any kind of, uh, um, I'll, I'll say, uh, disabilities that can 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 cause struggle with trying to either visualize things, mm-hmm. um, even just come to imagination, or just cultural barriers of explaining things. Sure. Like, sometimes some people don't have access to the same TV shows, media in, in general, internet. Right. You right. know, that you might have talking about a certain, like, this is how things are in New York doesn't mean anything to me in Detroit. Mm-hmm. So. But the the more you need to stretch f- away from your own personal ex- life experience right. and reach into the fantastical, the further you need to suspend your belief. Mm-hmm. Um, your or suspension of disbelief. Your disbelief, yes. Your disbelief. Yes. Um, so, you know, I mean, we, you, we, we tell stories about dragons and magic and cyber technology and, you know, the, the, the VR internet, you mm-hmm. know, with, you know, deadly security programs that can kill your mind, you know, yeah, sort of things. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we, we can envision all of these things, but mm-hmm. none of us have experienced any of these things, right? Right. So we need to – it, it takes a certain stretching of our imagination to get there. Now, the further away from our natural experience – that we go, the further that stretching needs to happen, right? Mm-hmm. And you need to kind of start filling in the gaps with your imagination, mm-hmm. especially like your emotional reaction and your attachment to things. Well, it's hard to have an emotional reaction when you're at that stretched point. Well, exactly, because you can't relate, mm-hmm. you know. Um, to wit, you know, I, I would I would know how to feel about a friend lying to me about their relationship with my partner. Mm-hmm. That's that's an experience I've had, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. I know what that emotional feeling of betrayal feels like. I don't need to imagine what does my character feel in this moment. Right. I can dip right into my own experience. There's no suspension of disbelief for me. But if there's a 60-foot demon, like, bellowing at me, you know, and tearing reality apart... I, I'm going to have to think about what that might mean. What does it feel? feel like right you know do i have even anything to attach to that you know we we talk about you know ptsd for people in gaming and walking that thin line between something they've experienced Mm -hmm. and something you put in the game Mm -hmm. you know and it being therapeutic to a point sure what we're i mean effectively we're we're walking that gray line when we do things and we bring things close to home yeah 
but it's really hard to attach reality to a you know a 65 foot tall demon who's spouting hellfire what does hellfire even look like 65 now he's grown yeah see um he's a demon it, hey you know i i don't know i don't know yeah i don't have any experience with demons yeah you know what my i will suspend my disbelief exactly grows yeah um but yeah the, but the, the the point of what we're going to be talking about today dips a little bit into the suspension of disbelief because bringing your story closer to home okay focusing on the little things the more grounded things um, the small dramas that we have day to day yeah, enables you much more human connection. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say human. I, I know a lot of a lot of our stories don't involve humans. They involve, you know, elves and aliens and, and whatnot and, you know, artificial intelligence and whatnot. So I'm not using human as a proper term. I'm just right. using it as a, you know, a you and I term, not right. an in-game term. Yeah. But it's a much more human connection, um, and it's arguably deeper than anything you can achieve with Michael Bay explosions. True. I mean, it's one of the main reasons why people feel that the Guardians of the Galaxy movies are are more meaningful is because their their whole kind of theme that sits underneath everything is family, right, and friendship. Right. I can't I can't relate to somebody in a in a in an armored suit flying around blowing up tanks. I've never done that before, but I do know what it's like to be in a ragtag group of four or five assholes trying to figure make stuff up as I go along. Right. You know? Exactly. Like, I might not be fighting the same battles as them, but I know what those close relationships feel like and I know what it's like to feel like I'm out of my depth. Yeah, and I also I know what it feels like to to literally have a cultural barrier between myself and another person where every, you know, trope that i say they have no idea what i'm talking about yeah like i get that like that 100 we all know what tracks yeah so but i think stepping stepping back and 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 into the small like we're talking about that emotional connection Mm -hmm. there aren't necessarily just one way to look at that it's not as simple as like i mean you start diagnosing what they do in TV shows to get the human connection, mm-hmm. right, and make it meaningful. And you can already say that there are times when it's way too cheesy. Sure. That it just doesn't work. Sure, absolutely. Um, But I'll say this. In just designing the show sheet, I, I will flat out say, this is your bailiwick. <laughs> <laughs> We, yeah, uh, if you were if you had the pleasure of being on our Discord, uh, 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 roughly what seven hours ago, something like something that. like that. Uh, uh, I I I more or less dumped half of the show sheet into our general chat. You did thing because did. somebody was talking to me about. Uh, I think it was one of our newer one of our newer listeners, Mike. I think it was Mike. Uh, yeah, was uh, was kind of expressing some doubts about their um idea about their ideas yeah and yeah. stuff like that and and just their capability as a storyteller and we were like look buddy we're we're all don't don't think you're you know you're pathetic and bad because you're you know you you, you have trouble translating a story from your idea onto you know onto your table like i do that all the time the only reason i get by from game to game is because i have usually over a month to prep for it because of our stupid schedules well also you have me sitting across I, from I you i was just gonna say that <laughs> i also the number of times i come to you and go rob i've got half i've got a half-baked idea help me get this thing out of the oven you know yeah. And and most of the time, the rest of the pieces are there. Yeah, you're just you're you're thinking in the wrong direction. You're trying too hard, and these are all common things that we all do. I mean, my biggest problem mm-hmm. is the opposite of this show, which is is I I create a pin board and go way too big with my ideas. Mm-hmm. I don't really think about the small things, and it's one of the main reasons why I'm stepping back to smaller things is because I need that closer connection i've gone too far yeah you on the other hand like has been said many a time 
are amazing at meat and potato plots. And because of meat and potato plots, it's easy to add or trim the fat and find the connection points. Yes. Yes. If, if you, if you, you aim small, you hit small. Yeah. You know, and if, if you're hitting every time, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's great. Yeah. People see that people can, and people can relate to the little stuff. And that's why I like the little stuff because it, none of you need to stretch your disbelief very far to see, you know, young Mirabelle in the mages guild losing her crap because the girl that she likes rejected her, mm-hmm. you know, and, and going to one of the, one of the PCs and asking for advice on how to talk to her and getting a little jewelry box right. from her and says, this is from her homeland. You should give this to her. It'll be a nice, a nice gift. And then when she gets rejected, smashing it on the ground and crying or, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like we, we can, we've all been teenagers. We know yeah. what that looks like, you yep. know, yep. Yep. that's, but that's just something I'd like to throw into my game, you know? So I'm, I'm going to ask this. All right. All right. Where do we start? How, how do we do this? All right. We gave you the elevator pitch. <laughs> you were talking about three different combinations here. Okay. 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 Now we're not doing big things happen to big people, because that's not because that's Michael Bay. That's what every epic story is. And when we say big people, we're talking about effectively heroes and antagonist f- level of people. Heroes and villains doing big mover shaker dramatis personae stuff, yes. like you see in most role playing games. Yeah. Yes. Um. So, what's left to us if we're not doing big things happening to big people? We've got the other three. We've okay. got big things happening to small people. Mm-hmm. Okay. Who gets caught up in the big events and okay. how does it affect their little lives? Okay. 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 We've got small things that impact big people. Okay. okay. And this is when the big dramatis personae, typically the PCs, mm-hmm. will have small things coming to them. Mm-hmm. Of, of of importance mm-hmm. and asked to kind of lower themselves down to that level and care about the little guy. Humanize them. Humanize them, yeah. exactly. Um, and then you've got small things that impact small people. Yeah. Um, and that is when your PCs are kind of out in the world. You, your simple folk have simple problems. Mm-hmm. But those problems are going to feel big mm-hmm. if you lend them the narrative weight and focus on them as the storyteller. Yep. Again, uh, focus in that perspective. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, you know, two farmers feuding over a fence line between their fields is mm-hmm. going to be ju- it can be just as dramatic as the big bad evil guy trying to destroy the world if you put the time into making the problem appropriately dramatic. Okay, so define small people so we have the good definition before we reuse it. Right. Okay. So when I'm talking about small people, I'm basically talking about like mostly like your local NPCs. Okay. okay. Average Joes, Janes, and Jessies. No, no stats. These are not heroes. They are, they are your, your average everyday person. A lot of these are going to be throwaway NPCs. Yeah. Um, that you might meet the once while you're in the locale and then your, your characters are going to move on to their big adventures, mm-hmm. doing their big adventure things. And these people are going to get left behind. Now, they could be reoccurring. Sure. That is not to say that they couldn't, and highly recommend making notes, especially if they are beloved, respected, or trusted. Those are great people to keep around, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Um, but they are not the they they are not the owner of a large business. They are not people who have people. Right, 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 right. Yeah. These are these are like the Crown Prince's manservant. Yeah. Or the Megacorp CEO's secretary yeah but it 
it could be a lady in waiting. Mm-hmm. So she could have station. Exactly. But she is a lady but in she's, waiting. But she's not the lady. <laughs> Correct. Correct. <laughs> not the lady. She's not the dramatis personae that snaps her fingers and heads roll. Right. She's the one that makes sure that the woman who snaps her fingers and makes head rolls, buttons are done up nicely. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, so. Uh, Where do you want to start? Which one? All right. We'll start at the top. Okay. Um, big things that impact small people. Okay. And that's pretty obvious. Um, um, so we're talking about either plot events or world events. Right. A major event. Mm-hmm. Something that would typically happen to the PCs. Mm-hmm. Okay, something the PCs should be caring about. Okay. Mm-hmm. Happens to the little guy. Mm-hmm. All right. Your, your lower level NPCs. Okay. Um, we're still focused on the big plot here. Sure. But how does that affect Joe the farmer? So we talking, we're talking when collateral damage. This is the collateral this damage. This is basically collateral damage. Okay. Yeah. So Joe the farmer is not the target of any of this drama. Right. Okay. He's he's literally an innocent bystander. Um, in fact, he's probably entirely beneath notice. Okay. The person who caused whatever this event to happen or what event set it in motion probably do not even know that Joe the farmer exists. Yeah. As as I like to as I was like to vision it when you're you're putting this together was like when you're making the battle terrain and you realize you're battling in fields, wheat fields, and some of them are on fire. Whose fields are those? Exactly. This this is where it matters. This mm-hmm. is the little person whose fields they are. You know, this is the dude running out saying my cabbages, you yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. That oh God, that's a great that's a great Thank example. <laughs> cabbage cabbage dude is, is exactly the little guy here, yep. right? Yep, exactly. Um I always like to think of that 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 quote, a uh, great great quote, terrible movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the Street Fighter movie. Yes. Uh, Raul Julia's portrayal of M. Bison. He says, the day Bison visited your village was the most important day of your life. For me, it was Tuesday. Yeah. It's it's that thing that happened to you in, with so much meaning. Yeah. And that person literally didn't even have a memory of it. Yeah. You hear about these in, in a lot of big movies where it's like the, you know, the little guy finally makes it to the big boss. And he's like, I have no idea who you are. Right. You've got spirit. And, you know, maybe you should come work for me. Like, you killed my father. I kill a lot of people. I kill a lot of people. <laughs> like, you're going to have to be more specific. Yeah. You, you have no idea how little that narrows it down. Right. Um, yeah. So uh, I kind of consider this uh, – let me extrapolate on this metaphor a little bit. Okay. Okay. Which one? You call my style the meat and potatoes. I do. I do. A nice steak, a nice nice spud. Right. So you've got a slab of meat and a tuber. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Two of the most simple, most identifiable base components in cooking. Right. Sure. You can cook these things up very simply and you will have a decent meal. Okay, everybody yeah. loves a baked potato, but we all have to admit that baked potato is so much better when you put sour cream, sure, bacon bits, sure, chives, mm-hmm. little, little cheddar cheese, sure. I mean, load that thing up. Um, maybe if you you know you you cut them, you cube them up, and then you fry them a little bit with some rosemary and thyme and some butter. Yeah, I mean, but again, we're talking about the humble potato, right? right? Yeah, that that steak mm-hmm. is you know again just a slab of meat. You can just cook it. Yeah. But if you, like, pan sear it and then slowly baste it in butter and, you know, a nice garlic sauce and stuff like that, mm-hmm. like, it becomes something so much more than the sum of its parts. 100%. And it can be one of the best culinary experiences you've ever had. Without a doubt. So what I refer I, – I, when I think of these, like, big things impacting small people, okay, mm-hmm. these little – when you focus on the little guy that gets mm-hmm. caught up in the big motions in your plot mm-hmm. – 
I kind of think of this as the pan sauce okay. to the steak. The drippings. The drippings, right. <laughs> you can cook a steak and you can just discard those juices. 100%. Okay. And it would be fine. Mm-hmm. You're still going to have a steak at the end of the day. Sure. But if you go back into that pan and you look at the aftermath of cooking that steak Mm -hmm. and you take those juices and you fix them up, Mm -hmm. you know, however you make that pan sauce with a little bit of wine, a little bit of garlic, you know, a little bit of butter in there and you include them in the main course. Sure. If you serve that alongside over, poured over top of the steak. So if the steak represents a... The main plot. The antagonist. Would that mean they're ruining the day? Yeah. I was waiting for that one. Who talks like that? <laughs> but, you know, if, if you if you go back and you yeah. grab those leavings and you include them again, you yeah. dress them up and include them with the main sure, course. Sure, sure. It is so much better. Yeah. because it, it is so much better. It and doesn't it, detract from what you're doing with the steak. It doesn't really make the meal complicated. Right. And you would never serve the pan sauce without the steak. Never. You know, you would never it's just required. focus on the little guy without the big sweeping overture of the thing that creates the situation in the first place. Well, because it doesn't it doesn't create a perspective for that little guy to be there. Exactly. One of my one of the things we had kind of gone over was the whole concept of like a mar- army marching through a field. Mm hmm. If you just started off the campaign with your adventurers coming into some trampled fields and a farmer asking for assistance. There's no framing for why that farmer means anything to you. Right. Right. But if you're directed to go there because there's a war and you're not involved in the war, but this is the thing you need to help with. Mm hmm. Now it frames it differently. Now the perspective is on the focus of that farmer and why they're why they're in pain. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's that's half of the. The focus point that you have to think about when doing this is that realistically the cell comes not from the world framing of the events that caused this tragedy, mm-hmm. but the perspective of that farmer of why it is tragic. Yeah, exactly. You've got this, you've got this, you know, to set the stage a little more, you've got an army marching on a castle and they're going to sure. siege the castle. Okay. Your, your PCs have to get to this castle to help them break the siege basically. Sure. Okay. That's big and dramatic. Sure. Cool. But like I said, you meet you meet Farmer Joe along the way. Mm-hmm. Now suddenly lives have been ruined long before you ever meet. Like you already feel the impact of the siege long before you see the first catapult. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. this guy needs to figure out what he's going to do this winter. His harvest isn't going to come in. His crops are ruined. No, he may not be able to sell enough of them to you know to maintain his own farm. Maybe he's got to move into the city now. Mm-hmm. You know, there's all sorts of ways you can go with this, and that can become a motivator mm-hmm. for this character. If you want, you can you can take a character like that and turn them into a larger character. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is a tragic backstory that you're watching unfold. Yeah, this this is what makes characters. Yeah, this this is an origin story for a first level adventurer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my my crops were trampled, and I had to leave my farm, so I picked up my father's sword and. So, and there's nothing to say that the energy generated from this small event can't reverberate, can't have, and yes, I'm going to say it, 
a butterfly effect, if you will. Hey. But the whole point of a butterfly effect is that this little thing causes some other event over here. That's not what we're framing here. What we're talking about is what does this farmer do, right? How do they particularly affect things that eventually makes an impact later mm-hmm. from their hand? Yeah. You know, I I could see this farmer suddenly now back in the city that has been sieged pulling a, you know, a French revolt against this oppressive yes. army. Like, he's there throwing potatoes because he has them to throw. Does he, though? I mean, <laughs> he might. He might now, right? But that's the whole point yeah. of that is, is that you've made that impact change. You've adjusted what's going on with that and presented that option to the story. Mm-hmm. And... It's it's how things can uh, unfold for that NPC and how you affected that as a character or as a group. Yep. So yep. Um, the one that uh, that comes to mind for me in a negative way, which I think you used well later, was Broken Fingers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, my the... interrogation. <laughs> You you had interrogated a uh, bandit when you guys went uh, went up into the highlands to uh, to fight the the bandit king there. Yep. Um, and one of the very first ones you came across, your character was just very upset because they were employing children. I was vicious, and straight up. Yeah, you you basically low level tortured this guy. I you did. Broke his fingers and interrogated him and all that jazz, and then you guys basically kicked him in the rear and said, "We want you to march north. Don't stop until you hit Morrowind, and uh, if we ever see you again, we're going to kill you." Yeah. And uh, that guy showed up. He he made it as far as Skingrad. Yep. And changed his life. Turned over a new leaf. Joined the Fighters Guild there. Tried to make things legit. Mm-hmm. And then you guys show up, and there he is, next to one of your other enemies, previous antagonists, <laughs> Pre- previous antagonists. Yep. And it it came back around. Like yeah. you broke this guy's fingers. You ruined his life. But look at where he is now. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just a. It was a small act that could turn around, but we use it for big impact because mm-hmm. it had an emotional sting on your character. But I think what one of the biggest parts of that is that we can't often recall big sweeping fights. We can't often recall into other parts of the story your bad guy, you know, monologuing about a previous encounter that occurred. Mm-hmm. But what you can do is have small events recom- you know, re- recombine. You know, whether it's you walk into a tavern and you're like, I'm not sure I've been here before. And you walk in and you recognize the band because you, you saw them you know, five sessions ago at a different tavern and tipped them well. Oh, yeah. They opened for Depeche Mode. They were really good. Yeah. yeah. And now they're here and they see you and the whole place changes because they're singing a song about your group. Mm-hmm. So... And and now you get to remember that previous moment and what that changes in the psychology of the player, not even the character, in the player, is that we sit down and have these moments. And oftentimes I've heard it and I know others have talked about it, is that it is hard to distinguish us playing the game in our mind as a memory 
or the actual memory of the events in the game. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're with 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 enough imagination thrown in behind these events, your brain is essentially processing the same way as real life events. Yeah, there's there's no true difference. You're putting it all together. You still have all the emotional impact that goes mm-hmm. with it. You your 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 mind creates vivid imaginations of it. It's almost like you're experiencing it. Yeah, yeah. You you become attached to it, mm-hmm. and by reconnecting to those memories through the individuals and their assistive recall through the story you're you're building a memory base for your those characters yeah and i dare say that memory base is going to be way stronger for your story yeah when you remember the little the little interactions along the way yeah right and it's you know some people keep, i keep journals mm-hmm. because that helps me cuz rob forgets things sure but if i have a nice journal that helps me pull right back to moments but as a storyteller pre- representing these individuals back and giving and and helping your players recall moments and then adding just another layer to the story, putting another piece down, using that individual is the best thing you can hand them. Mm-hmm. Especially if that person, that NPC was memorable. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's, I think the key to it is, is making the NPCs memorable when you do bring them this sort of humanity, this sort of life, Yeah, you know? And it's one thing to say like, oh yeah, there's a bunch of destitute farmers here, but it's another thing when like one of them comes up to you and is like, I don't know what I'm going to do, you know, and like yeah. cries on one of your PC's shoulders. And like all of a sudden you have this, this connection with this mm-hmm. rando and you're like, oh God, like, no, I kind of feel bad about this. Yeah. And then you take it to the next level yeah. of fan service even at that point. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I literally, all I have to say is Sky Captain slash Engineer Final Fantasy. What's his name? Sid. Why do you know Sid. Because he's been in every single Final Fantasy game in some iteration whatsoever? Correct. And, and he's, he's always... Usually, and he's usually the best character. C- correct. He has a story. You can mm-hmm. attach to that story. Mm-hmm. I have a priest who reoccurs in my stories yeah. in different flavors. And it's the same thing. He has an emotional connection. He has stories that have played out. Mm-hmm. Just like anybody else at the table... And he recalls them with you. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that's the first perspective or the first impact point that you have, that you can take away from this as a storyteller is doing this will help the story be memorable. Literally. So, all right. Layer two. Layer two. Small things that impact big people. Yeah. I, I think this is one that gets missed a lot. Yeah. So this is the opposite of the above. Okay. Big people, major NPCs, important roles like CEOs, court magicians, you know, things like that have small problems just like the rest of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, this is nice. Like, especially if you do want to kind of humanize a character, right? This is great for players who love to adopt NPCs. If you have one of those in your group, like I do. Um, it is so easy to get an adopter player involved in the daily lives of NPCs and potentially drag other players into that as well. I have straight up in my game gotten you guys to, like, basically honorarily induct one of my NPCs into your group as an honorary adventurer with you. Yes. Um... So the the big thing here is focusing on the small personal drama... Mm-hmm. of an important NPC can serve to humanize them and make them a lot more relatable. Okay. Mm-hmm. It is one thing to be like, Oh, this person is a millionaire CEO. Yeah. Cool. I hate them already. Mm-hmm. They have no idea who, but like if, 
you know, it's one thing when he's the prince. It's an entirely different thing when you've discovered for or better if he's confided in you mm-hmm. that he's not really interested in the princess of the neighboring kingdom that everyone thinks he's the storybook romance of the ages with. But he'd rather he's rather got eyes for the meek little stable hand that tends his prize horse. Sure. You know? Oh, okay. Oh. Oh, the stable hand. Okay. You know, we, we met him. He's yeah, okay. Oh, oh. Oh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and yeah. now and now you watch this mighty prince who is nothing but a title to most people, a title and a crown. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, behind closed doors, he's meekly kind of like shyly looking at his feet as he scuffs one toe along the stone floor of the castle and yeah. goes like, how do you talk to boys? And you're like, yeah. I don't know, walk up to them, press A? Yeah. That's fantastic. Also, should be a thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I, for me, I also feel that um, when you can find a character who's big to sit in a plot and have them be affected by small things, um, I think those moments can also have the, the other kind of an impact. So, for instance, when you go to see, you know, the warlord and, you know, and his, you know, his empress... You know, and the warlord's barely talking. He's like, you know, he's glad you took care of the problem kind of a thing, Mm -hmm. you know, and we'll, you know, we'll give you your just reward. But before you're released, the the queen raises, you know, the empress raises her hand and she goes, I'd like to make a special commendation. I've been told you took care of our farmers. And it's something you lightly did to some very low level people. Mm -hmm. And she brings them out in court, something they're not even comfortable with. She knows the impact that that means. Something greater than than all of the armies couldn't protect. And yeah. that was they ignored the people, but she knows that that is what the world is built on. Yeah, exactly. It's that small thing that suddenly means more later. And you learn so much about that character right mm-hmm. there and that she does care for those little people enough yep. to bring them to the court, you know? Yep, yep. And... It's it's these little things that can change your players' minds about your about these big NPCs. Yep. You know, in such meaningful ways. Um yeah. And that can change a lot of outcomes. You know, I mean, you did that with Hasseldor with me. Yeah, exactly. You unbelievable. Pr- <laughs> <laughs> it's, it was so easy. That's uh, what I do. Yeah, that's right. But it was you. You you made Hasseldor human. You presented a a tyrant to me in a way. Mm-hmm. A, a, a heartless tyrant in many ways, um, and then said, "But why?" And you presented why, and it was like, "Well, crap. Well, crap. Now I kind of understand and empathize with you, and now it's not so easy to just jam a sword in you and call you a lump of XP and treasure. <laughs> exactly, and, and make it another day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's an old quote that I I, I always remember is uh, uh, there's something about knowing the name of the guy trying to break your face that makes it all the more personal. Well, it also comes back to it. That same statement harkens back to how we were uh, how we talked about. Um, games with fighting mm-hmm. that like one day you're going to be locked in a room with another individual with a knife between you and one of you is going to have to do a brutally disgusting act in in murdering them in, in like a vicious way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that person, you know, 
they're standing right there. Right, and they also made a series of choices that led them to be standing across from you in that room. Right, you know? it, it's that personal connection. It's, again, bringing it back to reality. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. a little too close at times. Yep. So always be careful. <laughs> be yep. kind to your players about doing that. But at the same time, it can have a huge impact. Right. So in summary, use that one when you really want to put a nice face on a on a, on, on a name of an NPC. Yep, you really yep. want to want to humanize them, bring yep. them down to earth. Yep. All right, and then we got the last one: uh, small things that impact small people. All right, uh, this is your small town plot sort of stuff. Um, it's it's good for kind of two things. Um, first, it's great for taking a break from all that like world-ending evil stuff that we do in so many games. Mm -hmm. Okay, get down to basics. You know, like, oh, we just got done, you know, thwarting the demon incursion in the mage's tower, you know, blah, yeah. blah, blah, right, whatever. And we just limped our way over to the next nearest town over. We're going to long rest at the inn for the night, and something is going on here between a couple villagers. Mm -hmm. I just want a nap. Why not? Yeah. Let's get in. We're, we're involved now, yeah. you know? Yep. Um, it's great from, from, for doing that. And it's also really well as a secondary complication for a more major plot. And I'll touch on that in a little bit here. Yeah. I, I, I like the, the, you know, uh, the idea of the plots being of scope, mm -hmm. right? Because again, it's about perspective. Your players have to come in with the perspective that this is just a small town. I'm just here to do this simple thing. Yeah. And so their scope is much wider, but is then now seeing this smaller event going on. It's the, oh, there are ants in the house. Okay, I got to clean this up. Mm -hmm. It's it's a frustration. There's a little things. But you grow through the events of the actions. You refocus the player themselves, refocuses what is important to them through those actions because they're working on something directly in front of you. Yep. It brings them, brings them right back down to earth and reminds them that the little person exists. Correct. Correct. And that, that it's the same kind of conflicts that they deal with. Yeah. And for, for you guys, okay, sure, maybe you're, you know, stopping demon incursions in mage towers or whatever – but, you know, for them, this is life-changing. This yeah. is this is very important if you disrespected the farmer's daughter or not, you know. Right. Um that's that is that is a, that is a huge matter for them. So the the first thing you really need to do to make this work is you really need to build up your NPCs. Like this this is an exercise in NPC work because this is their plot. Yeah. Right. This this isn't something the players have brought to the place with them. And this isn't something that, you know, is is something that's going to be big enough. Like your players can easily ignore small things happening to small people. Like they could walk right out of this town and forget about it if they wanted to. They can. Mm -hmm. They can. The thing you want to do if if you can present these things to them. Mm -hmm. OK, you want to make them in some way enticing to get involved with to your players. Mm -hmm. Um. And that's why you really want to flesh your NPCs out for this one. Yeah, hooks um, hooks become a very important part of this, knowing what your players are interested in. Mm -hmm. So, like, you know, these people are coming into a town that is going to have an issue. Why are they coming to that town? Well, one of the players knows that there's a specific blacksmith who works there. Mm -hmm. And they need work done by that blacksmith. Well, that blacksmith can't get his work done because there's some crap going on in town. Mm -hmm. That's affecting everything. Yeah. So 
r- rival, a, a merchant didn't sell him good enough iron that he could make the things. Yeah. You know, so what, what do you, what do you do? Mm-hmm. Do you, do you stoop down from your big heroic stuff and try to resolve a conflict between a merchant and a blacksmith? Mm-hmm. I mean, sure. Maybe. Sure. It's, but that's the opportunity it presents you is to kind of get down and go like, okay, look, usually we're, we're heroes. We're big, you know, world saving heroes, but like, yeah, sure. Let me talk to this merchant for you. Let me try to strong arm and get you, get you the steel that you, you, you need. You yep. seem like a decent fellow, you know? And, and I would always say this, don't have a solution. Yeah. Your players will come up with that. Don't even try. Don't grind against them. Mm-hmm. It's not important. What's important is how the NPCs react. All you need is their direction mm-hmm. and why it's important to them. Yeah, exactly. And make it real. Yeah. Like, think up from their perspective. Why are they upset? And it can be somewhat irrational. Sure, sure. Emotions, 100% irrational. The whole the whole point of including stuff like this in your game is to make the world around you feel like it goes on when the PCs aren't there. Yeah. Right? You show up in a town, you want something more than the typical video game experience of shopkeepers dutifully standing behind their, you know, their their, their counters with shelves full of wares just, just ready to sell you all those health potions they've been saving up for some weird reason in the countryside, you know? First off, the real reason why they've been saving up those was because they got their work done and they just had them at the end and they were like, well, maybe I should have used these. Yeah, right. You know? <laughs> How do you have all these? I used to be an adventurer until I took an arrow in the knee. I guess I should have used a potion then. Hey, Lamau. It's true. It's true. Um, You know, but but it also, it, it, it like I said, it, it kind of brings everybody down to earth. Like, oh, wow, this, this world really, you know, these NPCs exist. This world exists. Yeah. Everybody has these little problems. And while we're doing these things, they're doing those things. And it brings so much life into it. I really do think so. One of the great things you can do with this, though, mm-hmm. like I mentioned earlier, is use it as a secondary complication to a major plot. Yes. Okay. So take the, like, we need to organize the villagers to fight against the bandits. Mm -hmm. Classic Seven Samurai plot, right? Very much so. Okay. Bandits are going to attack the town. They're a defenseless village. We need to get these guys armed. We need to get them trained so they can help us fight off the bandits. We're just one little adventuring group. Mm -hmm. Okay? That is the plot of Seven Samurai. Yep. Every time. But what if, like, the two biggest families in the village have been feuding over their land borders for the last decade and refused to work with one another? Mm-hmm. It's just that simple. Just that simple little complication, and now suddenly it's not as simple as hand them weapons and make a battle skill chuck to train them. Now suddenly it's like, oh, God, how are we going to get the McCoys to talk to the... The Clampets. The or... Clampets or whatever, yeah. you know. Like, oh, okay, now we now we've gotta negotiate now or maybe we have to strong them. I don't again, again, I don't I don't know. I mean, whatever. It, you could you could solve that in any in any possible way, mm-hmm. depending on your game, depending on your story. But uh I like throwing in little things like this just to change things up a little bit. Yeah. Um we had a really great use of this in uh uh, in my game, where you guys were hired as mercenaries to get rid of a troll mm-hmm. that had displaced a village yes. because it had moved into their boathouse. Yep. So you not only had to figure, figure out what to do about the troll, but you had to figure out why it had moved into the town and out of its own cave where it seemed to have been happy for several years. Yep. Um, And that was kind of a whole mystery. 
But along the way, there was a group of NPCs, and basically it was the big manly men. It was the Gastons of the uh, of the village. The, there was a lumberjack, there mm-hmm. was a stonemason, there was a blacksmith, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had all basically teamed up, and they were like, we're big manly men, we can fight a troll. We don't need you. We don't need you. You didn't have to go to Anvil and hire mercenaries from the Fighters Guild. This is insulting. We're literally right here. Mm-hmm. You want strong men to fight a troll, we'll do it for you. You guys can go home. We've got this in the bag. Mm-hmm. You know, so there was a little drama there between them, between the mayor of the town, between you guys. Yep. You know, and it just throws that extra little complication in. It humanizes the people involved, and it gives you an extra little thing where you need to guys like, do we need to deal with these guys? Exactly. You know, it doesn't have to become a big plot. No. We didn't waste more than maybe 10, 15 minutes on these guys. Not in the least. But yeah. they but they enriched the experience. Exactly, exactly. And one of the things that I will say to to this is that it is about the perspective, like we said at the beginning, but it's about what are your players' perspective into this. The way they will see this as small only because they sit at a higher level. Mm-hmm. And some of them are gonna say none of this matters. Some of them are gonna say all of this matters, and some of them are gonna say just throw money at the problem. Just throw magic at the problem. It'll sure. go away. The truth of the matter is all those things are true mm-hmm. because you're sitting up here. Yeah. You're at the God level and none of the people below you understand your solutions because you're not involved. And that's the whole part of the disconnect that goes into that. Yeah. We see it as the storyteller when our players go, yeah, I'm, I'm like, yeah, all these people just got displaced from the homes. I, I'm going to go around and give them, you know, five gold each. Sure. They can go to freaking Anvil and start over again. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Oh, oh, okay, you do understand that their lives were here. That's what they're telling you. They're not leaving town. And where are they going to spend five gold in the middle of nowhere? Right, in the right. rain, outside of their town, just far enough that the troll isn't bothering them. Well, I mean, they could go somewhere else in the rain with all of their things. Yeah. They're just going to caravan across open ground. Like, the mayor came because he could, because he had a carriage. But, like, there's no place for these people to go. Mm-hmm. And secondly, they want to go home. Yeah. That's all they're interested in. That's all they're interested in. They just want to go home. That's why you're here. So it's about selling that perspective can be challenging, but again, you just have to remember where you sit as the storyteller and telling that story is that it's meaningful and impacting to those individuals. Mm-hmm. Their scope of their world is much smaller than what the players are seeing. And that's that's what makes it. And they're, they're the ones trying to sell it to them. Yep. Not you as the storyteller. It's the NPCs. Mm-hmm. And they might even tell them, then fine, go away. Obviously, you don't care about us. Sure. And... Sometimes that can have a much larger impact on the story later. Yes, it can. Yes, so. it can. We have some great questions. We really do. We really do. All right. So Nevim starts off with, uh, how do you make players understand their small actions can lead to a big impact? Well, first off, you don't lead them down that at Primrose path because they need to figure that out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's the you're you're never trying to help them understand that. Down it will Primrose happen. path. That's a yeah. beautiful way to phrase yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but the whole idea is, is that players stumble into these problems, mm-hmm. find a solution, good or bad, and that good or bad is 
result on the results of what happens with that NPC. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I frankly think that it's better not to explain to characters that they're, you know, the, the, the impact of their actions, simply because that just gives you all sorts of great little butterfly effects, I did it twice, um, that you can hit them with later, yep. you know? You didn't think when you broke that NPC's fingers you'd ever see him again. Yeah. You thought he was a throwaway bandit. Mm-hmm. Frankly, so did I. Yeah. But then when I was li- thinking later, like, what what could I put in here to really, you know, sting you about the whole, you know, violence your character has been doing as a what, man of mercy? What violence have I done? What violence have you done? Well, dude, you broke that guy's fingers. Whatever happened to him? You sent him east. Oh, crap, you're east. Oh, what if what if he showed up and hired into the fighters guild, fighters guild? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. And if I had explained that to you, wouldn't first, I, I wouldn't have known at the time. Yeah. And so it, it, that leads to the second question that Nevim has is, how do you make imp- big, impactful events? So one of the things that I was I brought up, Sarah, beyond just doing like what you just did, where events trail in line, mm-hmm. right, is know when, when a player does something of meaning. And when I say of meaning, it is something that they've, they chose to do that sits within the narrative of the story. So, for instance, if one of your players is constantly giving money to an orphanage, like, that's what they're doing for their character. Mm-hmm. Make some freaking notes. Oh, yeah. Maybe even give a face to the orphanage of some kind, whether it's a kid that they like going to see, whether it's the, the kindly old man who runs the orphanage, yep. you know, and yep. takes, you know, and, and makes, takes in the money. You know, may, maybe it's a teacher who teaches the kids to come from the orphanage. Whatever. Give it a face, especially if it's something that happens on the regular. And then just set that to the side. And later... When there is time for something to have an impact, often a social impact in that kind of a case, mm-hmm. instead of their amazing role being their charisma or some, you know, cosmic event that affects the other NPC, why can't it be the thing they invested coming back for that? It should be the thing they invested in. I agree. Yeah. So, for instance, one of the, the ones that got me in my headspace was like, you know, they're trying to get in to see the, you know, the the, the kingship, mm-hmm. right? And, of course, you know, they can't because it's the king and they're nobody. You yeah. know, go go talk to the head of the guard. Go talk mm-hmm. to go talk to somebody else. The king doesn't want to see you, right? Right, right. And as they're leaving, you know, like... Well, we need to see him. And they hear a hushed voice pull from the side. And it just happens to be like a surf who p- pulls them over that they recognize, not nearly as dirty as they'd seen him before, who they helped in a caravan. It was just one of the people in the caravan that mm-hmm. they they got cleaned up after the fight, healed them up and said, you know, and they said, you know, I will find you one day and make this right. And that person just leads them through the pathways to get them to the garden where the king is. Yeah. So they can have a conversation. Yep. Something as simple as that because they paid the investment. Yeah. Have that investment pay off for them. And that impact will be lasting. The – I think the the, the shortcut I can give you to that – first off, everything everything you just said, yes. Mm -hmm. Um, But the the only thing I I would add is just simply – Nothing ever truly hits the cutting room floor. Nope. Okay. All those scraps, all those little throwaway NPCs, all those one-off interactions and stuff like that, you keep those. Mm-hmm. You make notes of them and you keep them. Mm-hmm. And anytime you're like, you know, in, in the future, you're like, like you said, you know, okay, I need I need some way for them to go in and get get to see the king. Well, who would have connections to the king? 
maybe this merchant they helped out. Now maybe he's kind of a big deal because they gave him a leg up. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden he can drop a name to repay the favor. Okay, you know? Yep. And you've you've all heard me talk about the importance of recurring NPCs. Mm -hmm. You've already built the investment with them. Yep. You've encountered them once. Why waste that? Yep. Don't throw that away. Yeah. Bring them back. Now you've got an emotional investment in this merchant that shows back up and goes, you did me a solid, I'm going to do you a solid. And and even better sometimes is when they're somewhere else and the players ask, hey, wasn't there a merchant who was in this town that we took care of? Yes, there was. 100%. And even if it wasn't there, even if I didn't have him written down a moment ago, the fact that you guys went, yeah, where is that merchant? Now, now you want him to show up. Now he's well, there. Uh, am I going to deny you that? No. Right. You're all going to have fun if he shows up, and you saved me having to rewrite an NPC on the fly. So, cool. Win-win. Yep. yep. Now we have this trusted, or sometimes not trusted, NPC who shows up. Exactly. Exactly. So, Qu Quantum merchants. Exactly. <laughs> Is there a risk to removing the player's agentivity? Agency, when, I think. Yeah. yeah. When bringing uh, forth the big impact or even players initiative uh, initiate the impulse, even if the players initiate the impulse. No, I, I don't think it has to do with taking away their agency by presenting them another cha a challenge or a welcome solution. This is just you narratively working through results. Yeah, yeah, this is just consequences of actions, whether they're good yep. consequences or bad consequences. Doesn't this is not removing agency. This is this is creating story yeah. from those moments. Your players have acted upon the world mm -hmm. and you narrating what the outcome of that is, be it maybe it's delayed by several months or whatever, sure. you know. But, you know, that that merchant coming back in and going, "Hey, you guys helped me out when I was in a tight spot. Now I'm going to help you get to the king." Mm -hmm. So you can have your conversation and we'll call it even because mm -hmm. I owe you. Like that's that's not taking away agency at all. That's they they can still they can still take or leave that. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I one of my favorites is when uh, in in movies and TV shows where like someone's doing you know the bad guy has some kind of a beast or like beastly dude mm -hmm. and like you know get him and like you know get him wrong or whatever and like the thing comes over and grabs them and like as they're lifting him off the ground they look deep into their eyes and go. Nom nom, and they're like, and you're like, you know what? That is the that is the grum bear that you saved twenty six years ago. Yes, <laughs> you know, and it's yes. Now that you know, it's like I have a life debt to this human. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, <laughs> that's a thing. It, it reaches, it picks, it scoops you up, and as it raises you to its mouth to to it to sniffs. consume you, you you reach out and start scratching it under the chin, and it goes. Oh, and its little foot starts going, you know, doing the yep. tapping, you know. <laughs> and it remembers you. And it remembers you. Yeah. Oh, buddy. I thought I recognized that scar over your cheek. Exactly. Yeah. And why not? Why yep. not? Yep. All right. Uh, Agonmi. Agonmi asks, uh, how do you handle a slow reveal of a small action to either the character or party uh, to the many gr uh, to the to the many and greater snowball rolling downhill ramifications of that event in a way that the characters can uh, relatively easily piece together. Okay, so there's a lot there's a, there's lot, a there. lot there that's going on. I will say this, if you if you feel that a snowball effect is something you want, you want something that's a runaway. I think uh the Incredibles did it really well mm -hmm. in the sense that um if you want a runaway, you have to have an event that 
impacted someone so hard that it basically created a character. It gave them a backstory. Um, so like in The Incredibles, you had Buddy. Buddy had a reason to be there, was was trying to be part of everything, and then basically was thrown to the curb. And so 20 years later, shows up as like, now I'm a super genius, and I'm going to do the thing that I wanted to do and show everybody, right? Mm-hmm. Those kinds of slow reveals are best done at the back end, meaning you've already sold them on who this antagonist is, or even a protagonist. Mm-hmm. The back end of that is all of the little pieces that come together where they're just like, wait a second, princess, you have a scar over your right eye. Yeah, I received it after I when I fell down a well. You were the little girl we got out of the well in our first episode. <laughs> oh, shit. You know, yeah. and it's, that's why you've been helping us this whole time. We've yep. been nobody, and you've been the shadowy person because we took care of you once. Mm-hmm. Because I saw who you were. Yeah. And that's a slow reveal. Yeah. Because, again, you, you establish the character in a way that they don't recognize, but all of the payoffs are there for what they had done, positive or negative. Yeah. yeah. That's a snowball. On the other hand, like we talked with the lower grade ones, where it's a matter of they did something and that something constitutes a nat 20 solution, Mm -hmm. you know, sure, bring the person in in some way that gives them a bonus, a benefit, helps them get through, you know, whatever, you know, gives them an extra die, you know, uh, whatever it may be, aids them in a combat round, however it may come off, that's the simple instant kind of gratification that is often helpful, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's always bringing it back to that memory, that first memory, those, yeah, those yeah. initial pieces that put them together. Um, I, for my, for my part of the answer here, I, I keep going back to the words slow reveal. Mm-hmm. And... I think, whereas I agree with your answer, um, I don't. I don't know that any of that is a slow reveal. Um, just just in the way that I'm imagining it, anyways. Sure. Uh, the because I don't I, think you can do a slow reveal for these. That's I, why. Th- I think you can. Well, if I you do, you then it's a plot. So well. <laughs> No, 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 no. We're just a reveal of consequences. And oh, okay. what I mean okay. is, okay. show them the debris field. Okay. Okay. I can see where you're going. We've, we've, we've seen it in cinema where, like, you're going along and, like, everything's normal, and then there's one piece of flaming wreckage, and you're like, what? Why is there a small piece of flaming metal here? And then the camera kind of starts panning to the left. The and smoke clears. Another yeah. thing, and another thing, and a jet engine, and a, tr- you know, whole cops of trees that is plowed over, and then suddenly you see the crater mm-hmm. with the bonfire and the billowing smoke coming out, and you're like, oh. You know, it's that style. To me, in my mind, that's it's that style of reveal, of, like, show them one con- one small consequence, and let them go, oh, okay, that must have happened because of this. And then show them another, larger consequence and have them go oh there was another consequence and then once they start seeing a dotted line pointed in a direction that's when you can drop the whole yeah you guys did this it's it 
for me, in mm-hmm. my headspace of what you just did, I immediately saw a, a, a Matt Mercer scene, mm-hmm. the the ship scene, where they just basically wash, you know, with with the power of water, wiped a whole ship away and ruined his whole ship to ship combat sequence. Okay. Where did that water go? All it, of it into the other boat, right? But also probably toward another shore. Yeah, I I know where they were in that in that. Like, so that the, but you was, could. Was I'm not saying of... that situation exactly, but doing something like that where like you drop a a, a heavy thing right mm-hmm. in in a situation that then would cause a giant wake or a whirlpool effect. Right? There are sailors. Yeah. What happened to them? What happened to their families? Who knows? You might, you might later. That's right. There are th- three three game sessions from now. You might. <laughs> yeah. You you see that there are missing sailors. Yeah. Notices in different uh, at ports. There's always this listing of mm-hmm. sailors lost at sea. I mean, yeah, that's pretty common. But there are a lot of sailors on this list. Some ship name that you slightly recognize. You know. Yeah. A broken yeah. captain on a shore, talking about a tale. A broken man on a Halifax pier. Perhaps. The last perhaps. of Barrett's privateers. Perhaps. Perhaps. <laughs> so. Uh, all right. And then Overwatch asks, uh, if you are running a street-level, low-power, or generally scaled-down game, what are some good ways to bring those big impacts without expanding the scope or raising the stakes past where you want them to be? So, my first thought on this is when you talk about street-level or low-power. Mm-hmm. That means that there's a threshold for even the players, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it brings me to kids on bikes. It brings me to uh, to situations where there's an a, there's a, a, a glass ceiling, effectively, of power. And so it brings the, <laughs> the framework and perspective of what is powerful, mm-hmm. what's in control, and what can't be changed, right? So that helps start creating that level of scope and frames where the stakes can be, right? Because if it's as simple as people can't leave, you know, they're stuck on this street. Mm -hmm. This is where they live. This is where their family has lived. This is where their work is. Like, they live paycheck to paycheck. They're not going anywhere. They have to solve the problem here. The stakes aren't nearly as high as, like, they're going to die. No no one's killing each other on these streets. If someone dies, that is a serious effing thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Because we all live here. Mm-hmm. We all have to wake up the next morning and look across the street at whoever. We can't have a land war mm-hmm. between one side and the other side of the street. But it does mean there can be a lot of petty crap that <laughs> goes on. You want HOAs? That's how you get HOAs. Right, right. And so... I think when you're thinking about low level or low power, really all you're saying is there's a ceiling and everyone is affected whenever the bubble gets pushed. Yeah. You know, when this little bubble gets a finger coming in from the outside, it's oppressive. It it affects everyone inside of that bubble. And there's really nothing in that bubble smaller than that bubble. Mm-hmm. That's 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 how I would frame that scope. Regardless of size of that scope, yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely a matter it's it's definitely a matter of perspective, and it's a matter of needing to establish that perspective, mm-hmm. um, and establish that scale um, pretty early on, and be consistent with it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if 
I, I, I uh, Seth, Seth Skorkowski was mm-hmm. recently talking in one of his videos about um, a game of gutter punks, you know, cyberpunk that he was playing, where sure. basically the kids were a bunch of, the, the, his players were a bunch of street urchins. Nice. And, like, one of the gangs, one of the rival gangs, and we're talking, like, kids with spray paint, you right. know, escalated things because they got a gun. Ooh. Yeah, exactly. And that, like, changed the power dichotomy on their little, like, three square blocks right. of gang turf, you know? Right. Um, and that's, that's I think, kind of what we're talking about here, yeah. is is just maintaining what the status quo is mm-hmm. and seeing how much it would take to change that status quo. Um, I think, actually, like, the Netflix Daredevil was a really good example of this. Yeah. Because you put that next to something like Avengers, right? Yeah. And they're like blunting off an uh, alien incursion instigated by the by an Asgardian god. Yeah. Um in service to Thanatos. Right. Or Th- Thanos. Thanos. Um and you know, which is the, the lead into the whole Infinity War, mm-hmm. you know, saga and stuff like that. I mean, that's some top-tier cosmic level stuff going on there. Yeah. On the other hand, then, you bring that down to Daredevil, and, like, they're fighting over the fate of Hell's Kitchen. You know how big Hell's Kitchen is? Ain't that big. It's, like, four square blocks of of New York downtown. Right. That's it. Yeah. That's it. We're talking about, you know, Kingpin is essentially a glorified mob boss. He doesn't have any special powers. No. He's just a mob boss. Mm -hmm. He's got money and influence. Versus Daredevil, who... Okay, he's got a superpower. He's basically, you know, he's a super acrobat, you know, with ninja, and he can, you know, see things with his ears, you know, sonar-like. Mm-hmm. You should really call him Batman. Yeah. Um, But, uh, I mean, we're not talking super strength. Mm-hmm. We're not talking laser eye beams or, you know, multi-millions of dollars. Sticks. He has sticks. Sticks. He has sticks, and he's a lawyer, so he makes an okay amount of money. Yeah, the most dangerous person in that, I think, was the Punisher. Yeah, yeah, Because exactly. he had guns and bombs. And... and these dudes are all fighting over four square blocks of of New York. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that's it. That's But it felt epic. It mm-hmm. felt life-changing for everyone involved because mm-hmm. the baseline was established for what the stakes were, and they all stuck to it. Mm-hmm. And you had a lot of latitude within that, within that scope. Once it was established mm-hmm. to get your highs, to get your lows, and everything like that, you didn't need an alien invasion. No, the fact that it was important to Matt Murdock, and the fact that it was important to Kingpin, mm-hmm. made it important enough to fight for for the two of them to fight over it. Yeah, and I, I, I dare say that I like using the high school reference to frame things like that because school is a good reference point. You have no, con- you know, the those involved rarely have any control. There's a lot of authority outside of them that is that are changing the rules, that are setting up stupid things that are that are that have basically quote unquote life or death kind of things wrapped around them, meaning whether they stay in or not. Mm-hmm. You know, whether they're expelled, you know. And they don't the people involved don't have any control except for what they what they perceive of each other. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's a tier system. So if you can frame it in your head like a school where there's here's the ceiling, here are the authorities, 
here's who's in control, and none of those are the players or even the antagonists. They become the environment. They're so Correct. they're so untouchable, they become the environment. Correct. And then you have within that environment and those forces, mm-hmm. your protagonist and your antagonist, psh, there you go. Now yep. you've set your scope. Yep. And within that, you can then say, like, those people won't allow aggression. Mm-hmm. beyond a certain threshold. Some of them may let something... Like, the gym teacher may ignore you guys kicking each other's butt, you know, behind the gym. Right, right, you know. right. You can rat-tail rat each other in the in the, uh, in the the locker room, but if you draw blood, you're going to have problems. Exactly, exactly. Because that, that's going to disqualify somebody from the meat. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know. The, then he has to file a report. Right. Right. You know, I don't want blood on my gym floor. Yeah. I just had it waxed, yeah. you know, kind of a thing. Well, that becomes a biohazard. He right. has to deal with that. But a welt. Right. <laughs> you know, a but, welt or a bruise, he doesn't have right. to clean that up. You know, and then you have those third parties, those gray entities who come in like the janitors. Yeah. Like the cooks who are outside. They're they're inclusive of, of people who are of authority, but they kind of fit into the authority levels. Mm-hmm. You know, so they're, they're outside of your game plans, but they can communicate things. They're like the gods in a D&D game, but they're like the god of commerce, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, they're not the good, the, the good god or the evil god. They're just the god of food. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I, I work with the other gods, but really, I don't have any power here. I'm also here. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, I I like using the high school or, or school reference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that's yeah. not always a primary school in other countries and things like that. But that whole concept that you have entities, tangible entities that are truly in control and in power that set your setting. Um, that really gives you that, that helps you bring that scope that then allows you to define what is a big impact. Mm-hmm. What isn't. So, and where do you, where's your limitations? Like you said, a firearm shows up and everything, everyone now is, is not cool. Oh, yeah. Good and bad alike. They're all not cool with this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you have absolutely changed the game there. Yeah. Alrighty, I think we have beaten this one to death. We hope you've enjoyed it. We hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, so, so ne- ne- yeah, next week's topic, we're going to be talking about, uh, it's, it's going to be another one of our storytelling 202s. It's going to be the first Wednesday of the month, so we're going to dive right back into that. I will say that it will be pre-recorded, because I'll be at Gen Con. You will be at Or Gen- at least on my way there. On your way there, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, sorry for the live chat. We'll be probably doing the recording, I think we're doing it on Monday? Monday, yeah. So, if you're if you're around Monday... Come on, join us. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll probably we'll probably live stream it on on MixLR as like we usually do. So yeah, yep. so but it'll still be released on time, so everybody will still get it in their normal basket. So yeah, we'll we'll queue it up for for Wednesday. Release, but anyways, so. as I digress, uh, so we're gonna be it's gonna be another one of our two hundred twos. This time we're gonna be talking about sandbox games. We get we've gotten this before where people have asked about sandbox games because we really don't. We grace the edge of them. I think uh, sandboxes tend to be a little bit of a white whale, I find. You know, everybody wants to run one, but I don't think many people truly understand what they're chasing after when they when they say they want to run a sandbox game. Well, you know? they see the MMOs, and they see, like, you know, Witcher and things like that, where there's kind of a plot, but really it's a whole, you know... Go, you know, run, explore the vast world I've created. Yeah, welcome to Skyrim, you Right, know? right, right. But at the same time, like, okay... I'm here. That's great when you can devote, you know, 300 hours into exploring that vast world, but when you're running just a weekly game for a couple hours on a, on a, on a, on a, on a Thursday night, you know. With more than one person. With more than one person, all pulling in different directions, you can run into some complications. So we're going to kind of go about the, uh, the, the, the pros and cons, the do's and don'ts of sandboxes. Yes, so... 
Uh, anyways, you can find us on Twitter at st underscore conclave on in, well on X now apparently huh. uh, on Instagram at st underscore conclave on mixlr.com slash storyteller dash conclave. We uh, stream every Wednesday night at seven p.m. Eastern time. You should listen in and uh, catch us up on our Discord. Uh, join up there, bounce ideas off of the other great storytellers Please. that are there. Especially if you're you know if you're new to storytelling, you're feeling a little shaky about uh, about your place. Every single storyteller on our Discord loves just talking about the mm-hmm. games and sharing ideas for what you can and can't do on plot, you know, yep. things like that. Um, also, you know, throw some some questions, uh, whether they're about the uh, the topic or not. We'd love mm-hmm. to answer them here on the air. Yep. Uh, you can find that link on our uh, on our X, on mm-hmm. our Twitter, as well, as well as our website, StorytellerConclave.com. We'd like to thank our Patreon members who support us uh, every single month, and those are our name members, Knox in the Box, Subjet, Sam, The Arcane Asylum, Spark on Motion, Veteran, Hulubu, and Sean. We truly report, r- appreciate your support every month. Our pre-show music is by Arcane Anthems. You can find that at patreon.com slash arcane anthems or on Instagram at arcane anthems. Our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Geefrog. You can find that at geefrog.bandcamp.com or on Google Music. And our outro music, which you're hearing right now, is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Meteor Machine. You can find them at freemusicarchive.org. And a big shout out as always to our families, Vicky and Sean. Thank you so much for loving and supporting us. All of our families who've sat with Sutter Table, or oh, sorry, all friends. of our friends who've sat with Sutter Tables over the years give these great stories to share with you. And you, every single one of our listeners, we love you guys so much. Love you guys. Good, Good night. night.